Well, hello again, and welcome to the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. I am your host, Gene Fleming, recording right here in my hometown of Fort Payne, Alabama, in the United States. I hope you've had a good weekend so far. It is Sunday night. It is March the 5th. Had to focus my eyes looking down at my uh, Fitbit and see what the date was, because honestly, I don't track the date most of the time anymore. Anyway, I hope you've had a great weekend. I hope you had a great week last week. Uh, we had some bad weather here, uh, some high winds, some rain, some lightning, uh, and uh, you know. And fortunately, we didn't suffer anything but some small limbs down. And so I got to spend part of my weekend cleaning up my yard. But hey, that's part of home ownership, and I love it. So tonight, I was uh, I've been mulling over a subject this last week or so, and I've actually taken some notes and. And because, uh, you know, I have great ideas about the podcast and I want to try to avoid the repetition of podcasts I've done in the past, especially ones that are uh, not too far in the past. Uh, you know, I don't want to be just regurgitating the same, uh, same mantras, the same instructions, the same guidelines, the helpful tips, um, you know, not, not over and over again. I want you to I feel like you're getting something that's fresh. Maybe it's a little bit inspirational, uh, something that causes you to reflect on your own health and how you're going to do this thing called life for the next 10, 15, 20, 25 years, however long the good Lord blesses you with. What are you going to eat? What kind of exercise are you going to do? How are you going to make necessary changes that are good for your health? To it, tonight I wanted to talk about Breaking Bad. And I'm not talking about the the TV uh, series that was on some years ago. I'm talking about Breaking Bad Habits. Breaking Bad Habits. There is nobody that's under the sound of my voice uh, right now or on this podcast when you're listening. There's nobody among us who's not had some type of bad habit at some point in our lives. And it may not have been a big, ugly, bad habit, but it was something that um, you thought you might not ought to do and you needed to make changes. For me, I started off as a teenage smoker because everybody smoked back then. And uh, and so it was just a natural thing that when I turned 16 or so, I'd smoke like my daddy and like my uncles. and uh, And I did. And, um, you know, and then when I got old enough to drink, I drank. And when I drank, I got drunk. And when I got drunk, I did stupid things. And um, so um, I gave up drinking when I was about 23. And I gave up smoking when I was 28. And uh, so I had a couple of bad habits that uh, had not really served me well in my young Navy career back in those days. And uh, so I broke those habits and... You know, and I managed to, you know, never return to those habits ever again. Now, am I against uh, the consumption of alcohol altogether? Oh, heck no. In fact, I wish that when I went to a wedding, I could have some of the celebratory champagne. But I just decided, you know, I'm never going to drink again. And I pretty much stuck to that. And, you know, I haven't had a single DUI uh, ever, but I especially haven't had one (laughs) Uh, since 1981 when I quit drinking. So anyway, that's that's the name of that game. But I had some bad habits I had to break. And uh, 
I knew they were not good for me. And because uh, I had seen the Surgeon General's warning on the packs of cigarettes, and I had uncles who died way young uh, due to alcoholism. And, um, you know, and so when somebody asked me, um, you know, well, do you have a, like if the doctor asked you, do you have a family history of heart disease or anything like that uh, or any age-related uh, condition that a senior is more apt to have? Uh, I have to say, I don't know because uh, most of my family didn't live long enough to get to the diseases of aging stages. And that's a sad statement. But I want to talk to you tonight about uh, uh, breaking bad habits. And I want to confess uh, some of my own bad habits that have, have accumulated over the years. Uh, habits that were making me sick. Uh, habits that were making me obese. Uh, habits that were uh, causing me to get bad reports at my doctor's office. And I'm not just talking about obesity uh, here, but I'm talking about uh, literal health issues that were a direct result of bad habits. So um, I, when we identify something that is a bad habit, and I'm going to qualify this by saying what's a bad habit for you may not necessarily be a bad habit for me. Okay, it's only a bad habit for us individually when that habit is uh, impacting our health impacting our relationships, impacting our sleep, you know, things like that. So, first of all, I want to go on the record as saying that uh, I grew up in a household where uh, we ate three squares a day, and uh, there were very few snacks, there were very few treat foods, you know. We didn't have, uh, you know, we didn't eat supper and then sit down two hours later and, and have ice cream watching TV. We just didn't do that. Uh, chips were rarely in the house. Uh, occasionally cookies were, but you had to have permission to eat those. So as a kid, I didn't eat a whole lot of cookies. So, you know, I had a pretty good model in, in my family uh, as far as, you know, eating breakfast, lunch, and supper, and, and, uh, and such as that. But, um, you know, it's like, it's like when, when I got to my teenage years and I was working and making money, and and I could buy junk food for myself, um, I developed some bad habits. I had a real sweet tooth. So, anyway, coming forward into adulthood, uh, you know, I never really thought much about what I ate or how much I ate uh, as an adult on up until about age 51 or 52, I didn't think about it. You know, if I sat down and, you know, and my wife had cooked a huge pot of chili, uh, to eat two bowls of that chili was nothing. But I also ate the crackers and I probably crumbled up cheese on top of it. And, you know, and so my problem, my bad habit was, I was a chronic overeater, and it didn't make any difference if it was breakfast, lunch, or supper. I always ate too much, and if I had a big plate, I felt like that plate ought to be covered with food when I sat down at the table to eat it. It didn't make any difference if it was pasta or if it was, uh, 
you know, a roast beast, a, a roast beast, <laughs> a roast beef, uh, um, pot roast uh, with potatoes and carrots and onions and stuff in it. Uh, I felt like my plate should be covered with that food. And if I had a steak, it was supposed to be a 12-ounce steak, not an 8-ounce, not a 4-ounce, but it was supposed to be a big, thick steak. And the potato that went with it was supposed to be a jumbo baking potato that was cut, smashed, and loaded to the hilt uh, with everything you can put on a baked potato. And... Um, and probably had a big serving of some type of bread to go with that as well most of the time. But it was a huge plate of food. In fact, it was too much food for a normal-sized human stomach, which is only about the size of your fist in capacity. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Uh, your stomach, the pouch, where digestion really starts getting underway, is only supposed to be about the size of a human fist. So if you make your fist right now and look at it and imagine a mass of food about that big, that's about what your stomach is supposed to be able to comfortably handle. And I might add process because, you know, it's being mixed with acid and it's being broken down into its basic vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, uh, carbs, and proteins and fats, it's all starting to break down, that little ball about the size of your fist there in your belly. But, uh, you know, I ate so much that uh, I, I imagine I could have put a football-size amount of food in my belly at some times. But I had to break from that habit of thinking that a properly served meal was on a large plate where you just about couldn't see the plate. And another habit I had to break was because, you know, like anybody, there's always something on the dinner plate that is my favorite, you know. And so it was kind of a foredrawn conclusion that when I cleaned my plate, I would go back for seconds. And, uh, and so I was really just a, a chronic overeater and I had no clue about portion sizes whatsoever. And if you've looked at anything in nutrition for even once, you've always seen a, a plate that is sliced into three sections. And it shows about a quarter of the plate being your protein source. Uh, about half of your plate being uh, vegetables, low-carb foods. It could be beans and broccoli and cauliflower and carrots and spinach and you know, things like that. And then the last portion of uh, the last quarter of your plate was for uh, carbohydrate-rich foods like potatoes or, or something like that. You know, you know, I never knew any of this stuff during the years that I was overeating and getting progressively more and more obese. And, uh, but, you know, a little education does a man good. And, you know, so the heavier I got, the sicker I got. And it was complicated. A lot of stuff going on here. You know, I had congestive heart failure. I had high liver enzymes. I had uh, bowel issues. I had headaches. I had, you know, I had pain issues. I had spinal issues. And, you know, of course, if you've got joint and spine issues, um, being obese just makes all of that worse. And so getting to grips with 
what's most important is not satisfying my palate in the moment, but taking care of my health for the long haul. And it's hard to make that switch flip because those habits were ingrained in me after years and years and years of just eating on the fly, stopping in, eating fast food, eating whatever I wanted at suppers, at home, eating ridiculous amounts of food. I mean, even at breakfast, you know, I would eat three bowls of cereal at one time, you know, and, uh, you know, just, just ridiculous behaviors. These days I know that uh, I've, I've really studied the issue about portion control, and I went to some classes in 2012, 2013, and um, the nutritionist told us that a serving of protein is about the size of uh, a deck of cards. And I got home that night, and I looked at the deck of cards, and I said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, that's a taste of steak, you know, what you're showing me there. And uh, that's 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 not a meal. Uh, I'm, ex I'm wanting, you know... 10, 12 ounces of steak on my plate, and but no, about three ounces of protein in the form of beef, pork, chicken, fish, whatever the source is, uh, about the size of a deck of playing cards, and 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 you know I almost wanted to have a tantrum because no, I'm not going to eat like that, and you can't make me, but I really wanted to live, so I had to make some changes. So I had to uh, get with the program where portion control was concerned and since our lovely set of dinnerware is these massive plates i guess they're they've got to be at least 10 or 11 inches across when we sat down for supper i felt like that plate should be covered and then i had to get to where i realized that no i don't need that many calories and i don't need that much food what i need to do is two things one, I need to put the appropriate size portion on my plate with a contract with myself that says there's no such thing as seconds. Uh, no, those are leftovers for tomorrow or, or the next day. Uh, there's no such thing as seconds. And, uh, and, uh, and I don't have to eat everything on my plate despite what my mother may have said. But the one thing I had to change behaviorally was I was always a very fast eater. And I think that got started in me when I was in the Navy, when we had a limited amount of time to get in a chow line, go through the chow hall, get a tray of food, sit, get our chow down, and run, catch a bus to go back to work some days. Um, you know, you might have only six or seven minutes to eat. And, you know, and so I learned to be a fast eater back in the 70s when I was stationed in Alaska. And uh, and I, that was a habit that just grew and grew and grew, and consequently so did I. And I'm not making fun of myself, but eventually that lifestyle caught up with me. So let me ask you a question. Just, it's just us here, right? Uh, let me ask you a question. Is it an ultimatum that we as humans have three squares a day, three meals a day? Is that a must-do? Is it always healthy for us to eat three squares a day? 
will we suffer if we don't eat three squares a day? Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Down here in the South, we typically call the evening meal supper. And uh, But three meals a day, three big meals a day. Is it essential that we have three meals a day? And the answer is just absolutely not. It is not essential. It's a behavior that we've acquired through traditions of our families and, and our occupations and everything else. But no, it's, it's not a requirement that, that, that uh, we feed our bodies. And I think part of that was born out of you know, sending kids off to school. They don't need to go to school on an empty stomach. I've, I've heard people say that. You can't send those kids to school on an empty stomach. And I'm not advocating that you send your grandkids or kids to school on an empty stomach. But they're not going to starve to death. You know, I guess there was a fear that um, people would starve or something uh, or they wouldn't perform well academically if um, they didn't have a hearty breakfast. Well, the, the answer for adults and children alike is it is not essential that we eat three squares a day. What is essential is that we get enough calories in the right uh, combination, fats, carbohydrates, and proteins, that we get enough of those in our bodies every day to sustain our metabolic functions. That's heart, lungs, breathing, digestion going on, uh, you know, everything that we do, kidneys functioning, all of that takes energy. So we need enough calories to make that happen. That's about 1,500 calories for an average size person. And then we did enough calories to do whatever work or working out that we're going to do uh, during the day too. So if you've got a, a terribly physically demanding job, you're, you're likely going to need more calories than somebody that has a sedentary job. Or if you're not working at all, chances are, uh, because you've retired, you don't need as many calories as you once did when you were getting up and going and punching the clock and doing your job every day because you're not walking as much, you're not bending, you're not uh, stooping, you're not lifting, um, you're not engaging in you know whatever you did, whether it was teaching or, or fixing uh, electrical wires up on a pole somewhere. Uh, you don't need as many calories if you've retired and you're no longer physically very active. But you do still need those 1,500 calories a day for your metabolic functions. That's just that's just basic human physiology and and um, the bi the biology of it, you know. So let me expound on that question just a bit. Do you need three squares a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and two snacks a day? Because Oftentimes, when people have been choosing a diet plan over the recent years, you know, it's like uh, if you bought Nutrisystem or Jenny Craig or, or were doing a Weight Watchers plan, counting points or whatever you were doing, there was always this fear of not having snacks because snacks are a habit that we've developed, uh, a mid-morning snack, you know, uh, a refresher on that coffee at work, and a donut, perhaps. And in the afternoon, when you start getting those post-lunch uh, sleepies, you know what I'm talking about? You're sitting there at your desk, or, and you're just you're just fighting sleep, and 
and uh, walking down to the vending machine and getting a Snickers bar, perhaps, or a Coca-Cola, another cup of coffee. But um, anyway, when people were trying to lose weight and they were choosing these diet plans, even the diet plans themselves say, okay, you've got three meals here today, and for a snack, you'll eat this or that. And usually it's a piece of fibrous fruit or some combination of nuts or yogurt or something like that as a snack. And that's all good and fine uh, if, if your calories are in check and you're not overeating. But the truth is, we don't need three meals a day, as some of my friends who have done intermittent fasting have discovered. You know, two meals a day are fine. And maybe two meals and a snack are fine. As long as they're getting the right amount of calories with the right amount of protein, fats, and carbs in to take care of their metabolic function and to co cover their production energy needs. In other words, work, exercise, dancing, whatever it is you do, uh, playing golf, hunting, hiking, running. You know, it stands to reason a guy that goes out and runs 15 miles a, a day is going to need a lot more calories than somebody that the sum total of their physical effort today has been getting up and going to the bathroom a few times. I mean, that's, that's not hard math on that. But uh, so I had to break the habit of eating too fast. I had to break the habit of overloading my plate. And I had to get with the habit of portion control every single meal, you know, and, and try not to vacillate from that. And it's even gotten to the point where if I catch myself overloading my plate, I put it back in the pot, you know, and I tell myself no. And then I trust the process of eating at a much slower pace because I don't have to catch bus. I don't have to wolf down all this food on this plate in uh, six minutes because I've got to run out the door. And uh, so I can take my time, savor the food, chew it slowly, because mastication is the beginning of digestion. When you chew that food up, you are helping your stomach and your gut get ready to receive the nutrients that are in it. Chewing your food is the beginning of good health. So uh, among my other bad habits, I had to break, and I've done a pretty good job of this, is I had to break the late night snacking habit. Uh, you know, my wife and I, you know, I'm 65, she's 60. Uh, we get our stuff for the day done, and uh, we have supper together always. And, and yes, we do still sit at the dining room table because we refuse to start eating in the living room. And uh, so we make an effort to set the table and sit down and eat together just about every night. Um, but the late night snacking thing, um, and that's a habit that I've, I've done a really good job breaking because, uh, one, I'm not hungry. I just had supper at 6 o'clock. I do not need um, a snack, some Cheez-Its or some uh, cookies or some ice cream at 8. You know, I'm, 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 my body is not urging me to get calories to fuel it to sit there and watch TV. So uh, all I'm talking about is is getting a consciousness, a mindfulness about uh, asking yourself the questions, do I really 
feel hungry right now? Or am I just craving the taste of whatever this food is? And if you're just craving it, then it's time to break the bad habit. Uh, this doesn't mean you can't ever have it again, but you can't expect good results uh, with a pattern of behavior where you're putting food in your body that's not good. And what are the foods we're typically snacking on? They're very salty or very sugary snacks. They usually are because I have yet to meet anybody that snacks on dry roasted, low-sodium peanuts like I do. Uh, you know, even with that, i got to control the portion. Because I can eat some peanuts. I'm a good old southern boy. So other habits I had to break with are not that complicated. I used to be a big fan of uh, going out to the buffets for supper. And if I went to a buffet, I would uh, load up, clean the plate, get me a fresh plate, and load it up with the stuff I couldn't get on the first trip. And then I would clean that plate. And then I would get me a small plate and go to the dessert bar and load it up. So apparently, buffets and me have a problem. Well, the buffet doesn't have a problem, but I've got uh, a problem when, not anymore because I don't go to buffets anymore, but when I used to go to buffets, and this is kind of a mental illness, if I can call it that, I felt like, okay, I'm walking in the door, I'm paying you $9.95 to eat your buffet. I'm going to make you regret uh, that you only charge me $9.95 for the amount of food that I'm going to eat. I'm going to get my money's worth and I'm going to eat until I can't hardly move and I'm going to wipe out the dessert bar if I possibly can because I do, in fact, like red velvet cake. <sighs> so, anyway. What about eating out? Yes, we still eat out. We don't eat out like we once did, though. Uh, there was a time there where we eat out almost every evening because, you know, it was easier. It was easier to go through the drive-thru and, or, you know, have a pizza delivered than messing up the kitchen and, you know, and having to wash dishes and all of that. But we've gotten really good now about you know, preparing actual meals. Uh, and oftentimes we over-prepare with the intention of leftovers for a subsequent meal a day or two later. And we've gotten really good about eating our leftovers too. So that's a big change in behavior, uh, even though the fast foods are often convenient. It's just not healthy for us. You know, it's a lot of carbs, a lot of salt, a lot of, a lot of fat. And, um, you know, and... And so the choice is, if you don't buy it, you can't eat it. And and so we've become better shoppers as a result of that because we don't think in terms of buying staples. We think in terms of buying the ingredients for specific meals. And um, and so my wife has a, a little planning calendar thing that she says, okay, on Monday we're going to have uh, pot roast with carrots, potatoes, onions, and that's the meal, you know, and some nights we do have spaghetti, but I can tell you, I'm not covering my plate with spaghetti and eating the entire plate plus uh, breadsticks or something like that all in under six minutes. I'm taking time to savor the food 
enjoy the meal, and enjoy the conversation with my wife. We talk about good stuff with uh, at supper. And oh, by the way, we do not allow our own phones uh, at the table. She doesn't bring her phone to the table. I don't bring mine. And uh, why? Because we're there to eat and enjoy each other's company. And, uh, and we drag the meal out purposely. And you know what? About the time we're done eating everything on our plates, about 20 minutes has passed and that hormone leptin is kicking in and it's sending a strong message to my brain that says, you, sir, are satisfied. You've had enough food for now. You know, and it, it really does kind of work that way. But, you know, I used to associate being stuffed with a lot of food as being satisfied. And I had to get past that, you know. Just had to get past that. So, uh, anyway, I want to talk about breaking bad habits. And I have to talk, you know, because it's not all about the kitchen and it's not all about um, obesity or anything or, or eating too much sugary foods or it's too much salt. We're talking heart health. We're talking diabetes here. We're talking a, a wide range of subjects when I'm talking about behaviors that affect your health. And uh, one of the behaviors that I am still working on, and I talk with a friend in Canada about this from time to time, we compare notes. Um, uh, the value of sleep cannot be uh, overstated. It, it, it can't be, because everything good that needs to happen inside your body that happens on an automatic and hormonal basis really happens a lot when you sleep. Your body is cleaning house. Uh, it's removing toxins. It's fighting uh, uh, your immune system. It's fighting potential infections. And uh, your body is sorting out those carbs, fats, and proteins and assigning them where they're supposed to be used. Um, your, your blood is getting scrubbed. Uh, your kidneys are doing their purification thing. Your liver is processing, uh, uh, you know, uh, glycogen and things like that. It's just happening and you're asleep and asleep is the best time for it to do it because you're in a rested state, but your body's still working. And so that's part of the reason your body needs that 1,500 calorie a day minimum is because your body's got work to do while you're asleep. But what if you're not asleep? Uh, it, it's, it's critical that we get sufficient sleep. And how much sleep does a senior need? Um, estimates vary, but the general consensus is between seven and nine hours a day. And I'm going to say right now, it's rare that I get more than six hours of sleep a night. And part of it is because I confess a bad habit I have. That bad habit is I stay up too late. You know, if you don't start getting ready for bed until 1130, you're not going to be asleep before midnight. If you got to roll out at six, you're going to be lucky to get four and a half hours of sleep. I didn't know much about sleep until I started studying my own statistics that are amassed by my Fitbit. Uh, you know, it tracks my sleep state all night long. And, you know, just because I went to bed at midnight and I get up at six, 
That doesn't mean I slept from midnight to six. In fact, I was kind of astonished to find out that some nights I'm awake as much as an hour in that six-hour period. And then I have to go to work on five hours of sleep, and I'm a grumpy bear. I'm a grumpy, grumpy guy when I don't get enough sleep. But what if I just gotten my butt in bed at 10? You know, did the wind down, got off the phone, got off the pad, got off the computer, got off the microphone, and uh, and got myself in bed, you know, teeth brushed, bath, shower, all of that's done. Dogs have gone out. Everybody's got their treats, uh, the dogs that is. And, uh, and I am settled down into my bed with my TV off. Yeah, I have a TV in my bedroom. The thing is evil, I tell you. It's evil because, you know, well, I need to catch that late night news before I go to sleep or maybe a talk show or, or maybe I'm watching a series on Netflix or Paramount Plus or something and I, you know, I'm, oh, the episodes are only 30 minutes. Yeah, well, now it's 12.30 before I'm actively trying to go to sleep and my brain is jacked on whatever I just watched on TV and my body is going to need another hour to wind down into sleep and I end up with a short night of sleep and it's my fault because I have a bad behavior and that bad behavior is poor preparation for sleep. So just like I have to control the portion sizes on my plate, just like I have to uh, slow down, eat, and properly chew my food, just like I have to ask myself those questions about uh, am I hungry for a snack or, or am I just wanting the taste of something, you know, uh, is this food good for me, you know, questions like that, and all the behaviors that I have changed over the years, including smoking and drinking, um, buffets, that's a changed behavior, I can, I can put that one on the list, but uh, sleeping, Man, um, sleeping kicks my butt in every single night, just about. And and I will. Uh, my wife and I play video games. You know, we really do. And uh, we don't play war games and shoot them up and stuff like that. No, we play some really serene games that uh, uh, through Nintendo. And um, you know, and and we enjoy those games. They're very cerebral. They require us to use a lot of skills of design and decorating and and numbers and money and uh, you know all kind of stuff and and so the games are healthy for us as seniors, but playing them until eleven o'clock at night is not a good idea because I've had all that mental stimulation and then it's time to start getting ready for bed. And I drag like a toddler, uh, you know. It's like, oh, I don't want to go to bed. Don't make me go to bed. But baby, you got to go to work in the morning. I know, but I'm not ready to go to bed. And and um, you know, and so I have lousy sleep hygiene for the most part. And funny thing. I have great sleep habits on the weekend, and I don't understand that necessarily. But, uh, you know, Friday, I worked a day, uh, worked during the day on Fridays, and I'm kind of tired and probably got some chores done around the house, and sun goes down, we watch a movie or something, and, and uh, I look at her and I say, 
whoa, I'm about ready to hit the hay. And uh, it's 10 o'clock. But for some reason on uh, the nights before work, uh, I, I dally. You know, and so that's the habit I'm working on breaking right now. Disengaging from all media, including television, my phone, my pad, my microphone, everything that uh, is uh, that's very mentally awakening and uh, stimulating for my brain. Uh, I gotta, I gotta cut down on that and and try to have my head on the pillow by about ten thirty, and uh, just see how it goes. And sometimes I'll go a week where I get great sleep scores for a week and I, and I average seven hours a night and then a little something happens in our life, maybe with one of our adult kids or grandkids or something like that, or maybe one of us is sick, something like that, and the sleep pattern gets busted and uh, you know I'm only racking up four and a half hours of sleep some nights and still trying to teach exercise. It's not a good formula. So anyway, I hope I gave you some food for thought tonight uh, about uh, examining your own life, looking at your health and what your goals are in your health, thinking about things that you can do to improve uh, your body composition, uh, thinking about how to properly fuel your body for the things it has to do, that you never again contemplate doing a starvation diet, but that you do focus on getting enough calories to enable your body to take care of itself. That, that really is a good formula. When we give our food the right fuel, it does a really good job of taking care of itself. But if we don't, and we don't get enough sleep, our body has to work doubly hard. And that's when our numbers start getting messed up and, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. I never pretend to give medical advice. But um, I know there's not a doctor practicing medicine today that wouldn't tell you, eat right, get some exercise, and get plenty of sleep. And oh yes, by the way, I thoroughly believe in taking naps. If I come home after a, a day at work uh, and, and and other stuff that I have to do, whether it's grocery shopping or hauling pets to the groomers or yard work or whatever it is, if I come and I sit down and I crash there in my favorite chair, uh, I'm not just going to sit there and bob my head and nod. I, I, I tell my wife, hey, baby, I'm going to go take a nap, and I, and I do that shamelessly. And I will say, please do not let me sleep any longer than an hour and a half. I wake up. I'm refreshed. The sleep did me some good. No, it's not like a whole night's worth of sleep. But, you know, apparently it's something I need. I'm not ashamed of it. And I'll go grab a nap. Don't do it every day. But my grandfather did, and he lived to be 93. Maybe he knew something. He'd come in from the fields, have lunch, go out and lay on the front porch with his pillow named George. His pillow was George. He'd go out there and lay on the front porch, and he would take a little siesta from about uh, maybe 12.30 to 1.30. Then he'd wake up, and he'd get back with the plan of the day and get back to farm work. And so maybe that old-timer knew something. And uh, maybe naps really are good for us. So, all right. Well, that wraps this podcast up for uh, this Sunday night in the month of March. Uh, 
looking forward to the arrival of spring in a few weeks. And uh, we've, ar we've already had some spring-like weather here. Uh, the trees still have no leaves on them, but they are budding. And the pollen is already starting to fly. And uh, so maybe by next podcast, you'll hear what I sound like when I'm taking a lot of uh, antihistamines. <laughs> I hope you have a truly great week ahead of you, that you, you do things to take care of yourself. That if you love somebody, I hope you tell them and tell them sincerely and, 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 and give them a hug for no good reason at all except you just love them and you want the best for them too. And I hope that you work on your sleep habits and your eating habits and uh, any other habits that you might have that are stumbling blocks for you on your road to success and your health. Well, that's it for tonight. May the good Lord bless and keep you. Thank mm -hmm. you.